Dom Giordano on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT. Dom Giordano Show, welcome in. So who's running for school board? Former public scold. I'm sure Greg Gutfeld is just has that day marked down that Brian Stelter left CNN. He's running for the school board in uh, Reddington Township, New Jersey. The former host of Reliable Sources is one of six candidates interviewing to fill a vacant spot. And uh, he's the only, he's not the only CNN alumni out there. John Avalon, the fact checker, before the other fact checker was in there, is running for Congress he is a reality checker, Brian Stelter, running for the school board. Oh, man, you imagine that guy on the school board, what's going to happen? Okay, Reason Magazine is one of my favorite, particularly when there's something local. They have a piece up that just shows we still haven't had a day of reckoning when it can't, comes to COVID. That's one thing that it shows, but it's something else that I'll get into in a moment. They have a piece Liquor regulators are seeking revenge on bars that broke pandemic rules. The Burning Bridge Tavern worked with local officials in Wrightsville, Pennsylvania, to host a series of outdoor gatherings for the community during the height of the pandemic summer of 2020. For their trouble, the bar's owners got slapped with a series of citations by the Pennsylvania Liquor Control Board the government agency that oversees and manages the sale of alcohol in the state. The citations were ticky-tacky, a slap on the wrist, according to Burning Tree's uh, chief financial officer. Twice the bar was cited for noise violations because they allowed a band playing at the gathering uh, to uh, plug into the tavern's electricity supply. Another offense, when the owners and some family members were drinking inside the tavern. Okay, so the point is this. Why is this in the news now? Because they got fined then for this under the little tyrant, Governor Wolf. Remember that whole era? How could we forget? But now the liquor board, the ones that make us like silly people, have to go through hoops just to get alcohol like adults can in the other 49 states. They come after them and tell them they could lose their license unless they do this, that, and the other. They don't have enough money to go through court. They might lose a liquor license, encumbrances, all kinds of things. The point being, how long does this go on? And the other side is not giving up. They're not going to give up on the COVID thing. They were right. We weren't. Now, if they violated the law, I remember we had a guy on from Lansdale, Dan, who I think just kept his bar open, as I remember, more than anything. We don't know whatever happened with him. But you got to realize these bars were facing going out of business. How many businesses did Wolf put out? No skin off his nose. He just moves on to York, Pennsylvania. And whatever he's doing today, he's a multi-millionaire because of his father and the Jeep and the cabinets and all. How about these people? They had a choice. Remember the whole thing over in Belmar with the gym? A lot of these ended badly. And if they chose just to say completely shut down, they might never open their doors again. Okay, but it was the law, technically. They got fined. Why now, then, how many years after the fact here, when they come up for renewal? And I'll tell you why. Because somehow or another, thanks to idiot Republicans mainly, who had a chance with Tom Corbett, we still have the state store system in Pennsylvania. We still have this liquor control board that engages in all this nonsense. 
They still have all this kind of power. They shouldn't be involved. This should have gone away. Whatever the fines were, whatever, that should have been sufficient, not still threatening them. And the broader picture is they're still dug in on this stuff. Sadly, for whatever reason, this election will not be about COVID, about any of those things. I don't even know that it's going to be mentioned because the other issues are so major. So it sits out there just waiting to pop up again. And what are some of the things that are the point from this? Well, stories like this. What were you supposed to do during that? How many businesses? It was in the huge numbers of thousands of businesses never came back. And Tom Wolf had no necessity to continue this. We've said it many times. The first few weeks when we didn't know what was going on, sure, you needed a lockdown. I don't care what anyone says. That was common sense, given the facts as we knew them then. But then as time went on, this just became a game. Could we have the power to stop him from doing what he was doing? And it still rears its ugly head today because this outfit that runs the state stores, etc., is still there. That's why this stuff goes on. The petty power that they have continues. All righty, uh, 855-839-1210, you get on board uh, with Dom. Side question today, we got a lot on that. I'm coming to you in a moment. In addition to that, I see it all over the place. Uh, Tulsi Gabbard just posted it. I want to play it one more time. This is uh, cut, uh, cut 11. When I first uh, sent this over to Dan this morning, I played it back several times. And I'm saying, I must be missing something. This woman cannot be making this point. And no one on this panel on MSNBC, there are three or four of them there. They don't object. They don't say, well, do you want to clarify that? Christian nationalism is the term they're going to be using, the other side, to try to uh, make people believe not only won't you be able to get an abortion, We'll be a theocracy. We'll have these crazed Christians running America. So this analyst on MSNBC who apparently has written about, I don't know if she wrote a book on Christian nationalism, there are a couple of them out there now, is asked to distinguish, what are you talking about? What is a Christian nationalist? Here's what she said. One thing that unites all of them, because there's many different groups orbiting Trump, but the thing that unites them as Christian nationalists, not Christians, by the way, because Christian nationalists is very different, Mm -hmm. is that they believe that our rights as Americans, as all human beings, don't come from any earthly authority. They don't come from Congress. They don't come from the Supreme Court. They come from God. Yeah. And this is out there all over the place now. Like, who in the world believes this stuff? Well, apparently a lot. I don't know there was a lot of uh, people pushing back on MSNBC other than people that ordinarily wouldn't watch it to say this is a perfect example of what we're facing here. An alleged expert, and she believes your rights as a human being come from Congress and the Supreme Court. So before there was a Congress and a Supreme Court, where did your rights come from then? The king? Is that where they came from? I mean, that would be the entity. Those were the ruling bodies or the head of your tribe or something. Is that where they came from? This is, uh, this is appalling. It is a national network. It is NBC that you would hear someone prattle on about this and call it Christian nationalism. 
All right, let's go to the callers here. Let's go to uh, Bill in Palmyra. Hey, Bill, good Friday to you. How are you, Dom and uh, Dan? Good, Bill. Good show as usual. Thank you, Bill. Listen, my uh, my answer for the uh, photograph is a little different. It's following 9-11, and the Twin Towers uh, came down, and there was a photograph of, uh, I think, two or three firemen standing on the rubble with a flagpole at a tilt and an American flag, and it was a moment of real patriotism. But the big thing is, or the thing for me is, that flagpole was was constructed or fabricated in at John E. Lingo and Son in the Kramer Hill section of Camden, New Jersey. And my father helped make that pole. Oh, man, that is a great uh, backstory, Bill. A proud moment. Thank you. That's a good one. Yeah, I remember that. Wow. Yeah. And uh, the father helped to make that pole. Now, that's the backstory. Yeah, that's going to be hard to beat. That's got to be up there somewhere to the front when you can give us a little bit of uh, color, a little bit of the backstory. The photo I remember were the iron workers walking in day two through maybe day six or seven or eight and being cheered by crowds on the sidewalk short of where the towers used to be. Thousands of people cheering them on coming in. I mean, those were rare, rare things that we saw. But his backstory with the father and the making of the pole, that's uh, that's exactly that's, on point. I, I think that's probably the the event of the 2000s plus uh, that will be remembered like these other photos, 9-11. Mm-hmm. Do you think there are many others that... Because I asked that because on YouTube.com slash at 12 WPHT, we're always dining with Dom and uh, one of our uh, commenters, Fred Flintstone, said a potential side question moving forward. What's a picture that's been somewhat recent that will go into history ah. books as a ah. memorable photograph? That is a good one. And we said it, what, the last five or ten years? Yeah. 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 yeah, exactly. Well, it's not quite that, but I remember the guy standing in front of the tank at Tiananmen Square. Oh, yeah. And it's not just the first tank. When the tank moves a little bit, he moves to get in front of it again, Dan. That's the thing. Now, you know, in the current government in communist China, I think they would have just run him over the first time. But I don't think we've ever heard from him again. But, uh, yeah, that is a great story, particularly with the dad as part of the uh, backstory. Here is, uh, this is cut nine. This is another Morning Joe special. This is the attitude we were talking about with Dr. Ben Carson. Here's Claire McCaskill who was a senator only because her husband died in a plane crash, and she essentially took over. Here's what she said, (laughs) what she wants in this campaign. How dare the New York Times point out the frailties of Joe Biden? You wouldn't ever give this guy power again, would you? Tell us that he's not going to be reelected. Please tell us that you've learned your lesson. So the only blemish on the great country of America worldwide is, in fact, Donald Trump. And can I make a suggestion? I move that every newspaper in America quits doing any fact checks on Joe Biden until they fact check Donald Trump every morning on the front page. It is ridiculous yeah. that the New York Times fact-checked Joe Biden on something. I mean, <laughs> he vomits lies. Trump vomits lies. And he, every day, yeah, over and over and over again. And it's just ridiculous oh, that the, the New York bank. Times is doing a fact-check on, on Biden while they let Trump, while they're numb to the torrent of lies coming out of Trump's mouth. All right, here's the thing. They're not fact-checking Biden. There's nothing to fact-check. He's saying gibberish. 
So it's not we're saying, well, he's wrong in saying this. Occasionally they do that. But the stuff that we play is because it doesn't make any sense. It's like speaking in tongues, the stuff that he stands there and says when he can't read off the teleprompter, even then he's challenged. It is ridiculous yeah. that the New York Times fact-checked Joe Biden on ah, That's right. Can you imagine the fact checkers working overtime over there? The Trump and Biden desk guys. Oh, my God. They ought to just ring a buzzer. Give him a shock. But he's not doing that. He's just incapable of even saying something wrong. He's not saying anything. He's looking to say something. Uh, Big stories today. How many note cards he has to carry just to answer the questions of donors. Now, donors are there. They've given uh, one party in San Francisco. They paid $250,000 each to be there with Joe Biden. And there were a number of them. That's big money. Do they want to quiz him? Do they want to? No. It's more access, being there with the president, whatever. And he has to, uh, yes, Dan Borowski, I see your question. I will now answer that. Now, the cards may get flipped at times. Do they have to come up with a way to make sure the cards don't get out of whack? Then he might say anything to anybody. Big story today, though, about how many note cards he needs to carry with him in dealing with it. It is ridiculous yeah. that the New York Times fact-checked Joe Biden. Fact-checked Joe Biden. How dare you? <laughs> uh, Claire McCaskill ought to be on that panel. She'd probably stand in salute with the woman that'd say, your rights come from uh, Congress and the Supreme Court. I thought they didn't like the Supreme Court now. So Sammy Alito's giving that woman her rights? That's not going to go over so well. They don't come from God. I mean, that is one of the stupidest statements that we've seen, particularly if you're trying to distinguish Christians from uh, Christian nationalists. I think Christians all believe that rights come from God. It's a definition of this, not from Congress. I mean, you can massage it a little bit and say Congress uh, codifies it. They do this and that. They, They give us the particulars, maybe. But the right to life, liberty, and happiness... Where does that come from? God. Not Chuck Schumer. Can you imagine? I mean, some of these people in Congress that we play, AOC, Tlaib, Ilhan Omar, they give us our rights. That's not going to go so well if you're Jewish particularly, is it? All right, 855-839-1210. That's how you get in. Side question today. Hit us with that uh, photo. All-time photo. All right, coming off Iwo Jima Day, the flag being placed, uh, that uh, flag for 9-11. That was a great call. In addition to that, though, this is making a lot of news today. The idea from Ben Carson in this speech and then others being accused of hating America. Now Republicans hate America because they're saying how bad things are. Trump talking about the persecution of Christians, which is happening. Now we could argue... How widespread is it, et cetera? But there's enough of it. It is significant enough where that's a real charge. And we've seen it again and again and again during this presidency. We've seen taking laws and stretching them that are minor things and make them into something where you can go to jail for quite a period of time. Dom Giordano's show, Good Friday. So we've been talking about this IVF situation in Alabama, where the ruling is the embryos that may be discarded in some instances are children, all right? Problematic for Republicans, media, sniffing the trail to go after Trump, who has nothing to do with this in any way, shape, or form. 
But even worse, Sonny Hostin, an all-time repellent figure. I know it's easy for the crowd to talk about Joy Bay, Joy was Joy Behar. It's Hostin who's the most hostile, the most ill-informed, because she thinks she's a lawyer and informed. And she brings up with this ruling, she thinks, you're going to play it for you too, it's about white people wanting to be relevant, to make more white babies. Now, the thing that is one of the most perverted things, and it's been around, I wouldn't say when I first got into talk radio, are these projections that by 2050, she says it too. A group says the majority of Americans will be multicultural. They will not be white. All this counting and all this nonsense towards something in the future. That is just a revenge motive. It's hateful. It's divisive. Bringing this up again and again and again. Every time I hear it over the years, immediately, why are we going here, 2050 and all that? Because it's used as a meme to get back to the idea of something happening now is about that. Listen to this. And uh, again, uh, those on Twitter, why are you talking about the view? Because it's a show, again, that has power, despite the bandwidth of intelligence being very low. Listen to Sonny Hostin now about this Alabama ruling. I actually think they do want you to have more children, and they're just not saying the quiet part out loud. Which is? Right? Uh, which is multicultural Americans are going to become the majority population by 2050. Uh, by 2050, the Hispanic, Hispanic Americans are expected to have the most population growth, an increase of about 6%, while the white population is expected to decrease by about 11%. At this time, the birth rate for white Americans in this country has been falling since the Great Recession, and it's dropped almost 23% between 2007 and 2022. So, but wouldn't what the, white women be getting the IVF? Um, so that well, increases that's, the, that's they why want. they yeah. want IVF, but they can't say uh, yes. An, embry- an embryo. They, 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 they're they're coming out sort of against it and not being able to explain why. They want to have more American white children born because the birth rate has gone down. Okay, so why I don't see I don't see this as a race issue. What I see is until it affects them, they don't care. Yeah. So the most disenfranchised among us, the poorest among us, need to be able to family plan. We need women's health. We need the uh, the. Planned Parenthoods, we need all of these things. As we shut it down and keep closing the gap as to how far back we'll roll it, the people it hurts the most are the poorest, the have-nots. So when it hits Dan the just said to make it, face, stop it, stop it. Yeah, stop it. Stop it when you want, Dr. Yeah, yeah, stop it. Stop it. The Hostin thing, though, Dan, it goes beyond her. Let's just go beyond this for a moment. The 2050 stuff and all this, this just fixation on this. So now this is a plan to have more white babies. Part two, it's somehow or another to do something uh, akin to abortion. They're going to pivot on that. That's why whether you like it or not, the Alabama people, if I'm involved in this to try to squelch this now, it's not the Alabama court ruling. I think they may have ruled correctly on the law as currently written. The thing that has to be done with this, what I didn't go back and see when this law was passed, is to amend the law, change the law, get rid of this, and then we don't have this problem. 
okay? And whatever coalition in Alabama or wherever else it is that is saying that this is, and even Nikki Haley got caught up in it. The first thing she said, those are babies. And then she was off to the races to backpedal on it. Whatever has to be done to get them to move, to take this off the books, and to move on from this is job one. If you don't, the bank shot of this is going to be enormous. They will use this forever. Whatever Trump says or doesn't say, they will use this forever. It's only in Alabama. I don't even think it's their Supreme Court is being, I think they're following the law there. It's the law that was passed, and the law is ridiculous. Remove it. I see stories today, they want to do that. Well, then do it. Move on it. Yeah, but we got this bridge that we have to, you know what? Let's get moving here. Let's get this done. This is just the canary in the coal mine. It's telling us you're going to see what's going to happen every time something like this flares up. The media is going to pounce. Democrats, what else do they have? And they're going to put this through the cycle forever. It's going to take a while to wash this one out. As long as that law is on the books, we're at risk of this coming up again and again. I, I mean, I'm, look, I'm on the Biden-Harris um, email trail of what they put out every day. Immediately, they're bringing out women now who couldn't do this. What are they going to do? Oh, my God, we were trying to have children. These Republicans can't. Trump doesn't want you to have kids. Sonny Hostin, they want you to have only white babies. Yeah, I I know. We can mock it all that we want, though. The problem is we've been through two election cycles where this has been effective. I'm in the camp that thinks it was dying down a bit. But you see how desperate they are, and they're going to have to go to this. Biden is so desperate, he's actually trying to sort of curtail the border for a period of time to get away with what he's done. Yeah, he legitimately is because the heat is so overwhelming. That doesn't mean he won't do it as soon as it's safe. The instant it's safe will go back to being even wilder in four more years. Instead of 7.2, it'll be 8 to 10 million more people. But in the meantime, this is how desperate they are. This, why in the world, how in the world, if at the end, in November, if we lost an election and we look back at it, how did we lose to a guy like this in a party like this? Well, this is an example of the tactic. The other thing, and I've said it all this week, taking on all comers who still want to be in that camp. We have one of the best guests in the country this week, Linda Kearns, laying out what's going on with election law, mail-in ballots, etc. And yet we have still had people there, including President Trump, even with Laura Bush on this, uh, Laura Trump on the show, and Laura Trump at CPAC saying, this is what we have to do, mail-in balloting, early voting, legal ballot harvesting, several other things associated with that to prevent election interference. What is it? Is it a loser mentality that people deep down don't care about winning? They go all out, they say it, but then they shoot themselves in the foot constantly? Somebody's got, something's got to be done with Alabama here is what this comes down to. There are all kinds of levers in politics, all kinds of things that go on. There's no justification for this. I'm not saying the Alabama Supreme Court is wrong in what they said the law is. I'm saying they have to change the law. It's 855-839-1210. It's AT&T. 
and Verizon Wireless. All you have to do is push pound 1210. I haven't gotten an email, seen anything on social media. I don't know who supports this in any way, shape, or form, but you can see how it is pounced on. And it plays into all the stuff, you know, it's Alabama, more white children, any spin, no matter how ridiculous, don't give them oxygen. Don't let up. If you want to fight these battles, you want to go down this path, why? What in the world is it that we just can't focus on the basics here, which are ours? The border. Even more, I still think, inflation. We're letting them off the hook a little bit. It seems like that dies a little bit. There's not enough point of emphasis by Republicans for me to be digging up people, digging up stories constantly. Greedflation, shrinkflation, Bob Casey Jr. It's cringeworthy. But they got something out there, and with the help of the media, they seem to be deflecting it a bit. Good Friday, everyone. Uh, our game of the week uh, here with the side question comes to an end uh, when we pull out of the hat a little bit later in the show. $50 Captain Chucky's gift card. So get in on that. I just saw this. Um, a Nikki Haley donor. You can tell they know. And the spin is going to be interesting. If um, Nikki Haley loses tomorrow, say by under 20 points, I'll set the over and under at that. She's going to say, I uh, see this. All the polls were wrong. They said I was losing by 30. And she's being asked, and she gets mad. If we get her back on, because I think she might still be in the Pennsylvania primary. When are you going to win a state? Why do I have to win a state? (laughs) What's the strategy here at this point? Well, the strategy is to stay in there, see what happens with Trump, to see two things. If he's convicted... Do the, does the polling start to move the other way, Dan? People, you know, any number of people have said that. I've been said many times. I don't get the logic. If you support Trump because it's been weaponized against him and he gets convicted on one of these charges, why would you then drop Trump, particularly for Nikki Haley? Plus, DeSantis will jump back into the race. Nothing's stopping him. He can jump back in the race any moment that he wants. So that's one. Or two, if Trump is convicted, then gets removed. Three. If at the convention there's an eruption and they won't vote for Trump because of a conviction, something like that. What does her staying in the race do for her future implications? Like 2028. Well, is it no no publicity is bad publicity? Where you know, if usually, she, her name's the strongest name, she might be the Republican yeah. favorite going into 2028. I can't call that. You know, I know the tried and true in politics. You do something like this, they're going to get you back in the end. I don't know if that's changed or not yet that this might be helpful to her. But the Republican Party is never going to go back to the Nikki Haley's Republican Party. If it does, it's going to cease to exist. All these Trump people then are just going to go back to not voting. They're not going to be involved. If you want them in the party, they're going to be the driving force. Anyhow, a Nikki Haley donor said this. What wing of the GOP is interested in having a Bernie Sanders Democrat as their VP candidate. In other words, this guy in the Haley camp is trying to say, this is not, and a lot of them are saying, this is not my Republican Party, meaning Trump floating the idea of Tulsi Gabbard as a VP choice. That would be out of bounds with your average Republican. Do I think that? Do I think 
that's going to be the case. Now, is there baggage that Tulsi Gabbard has with some people, given that she was a Democrat, uh, took some positions that might be out of step with the centrist Republican Party? Sure. But the upside, and she has, uh, you know, arguably converted. She's left the Democrat Party. She's done that for love of country is her argument. Proud military service, always been a wild card. Very good in the debates, particularly against Kamala Harris. So you really think that that's going to reverberate saying that what kind of Republican Party is it? This woman is Bernie Sanders in a a better uh, skirt. I don't see that with uh, Tulsi Gabbard even a little bit. This is how desperate they are. These are the stuff they're flinging. They want that country club Republican Party. And since it's not there, they get mad. Uh, I'll give you case in points of where we are. And I uh, behind the scenes, uh, Dan has really gotten us um, a good connection. You heard Laura Trump the other day. That's big for a local radio station in the middle of this. She's going to be the in March, the co-chair of the RNC. I'm going to say to them, I said it, Dan, on the air, but I'm going to say it in detail because I want to win. Hey, you got to take a look at what's going on here in Pennsylvania. Let's start in Philadelphia. Um, I don't know how many. Maybe you can pull it up there. Maybe it's easily available. How many votes did Trump get in 2016 in Philadelphia? And what did he get in 2020? Seemed to me he might have gotten fewer votes in 2020 than he did in 2016 in Philadelphia. I could be wrong on that or it could be pretty close. My point is, in 2024, every vote you get in Philadelphia is such a plus. Because we know in certain parts of the state, it's going to be a home run. It's not just winning these four suburban counties or doing better. It's also every vote you get in Philadelphia is a win. So this guy, Vince Fennerty, is on record. If it's not Nikki Haley, he's going to go in the tank. There's got to be a mechanism of putting someone else in there. There's still about 125,000 registered Republicans in Philadelphia. You know, just, just Philadelphia County is what I got yeah, in front yeah. of me here. 2016 mm-hmm. for Trump, 108,748. So 108,748 uh, right. in uh, 2016. And then 2020, you got for uh, Trump, 132,748. Oh, he went up in 2020. He yeah, he did. Wow, that's not bad. So if we could get into the 150,000 range here because the unpopularity of Joe Biden, more people, Scott Presler, registering Republican, you can tell that. Even that number cuts into it was only 80,000 statewide. You start doing stuff like that in Philadelphia. You don't have to win Philadelphia, of course. Just get a little bit higher in that range, and every bit takes us closer toward winning Pennsylvania. All right? So what about this argument? You are showing you're not a Republican. Well, they don't want to be Republicans. These people want to be conservative populists that are MAGA, that are Trump. If you put Tulsi Gabbard in as VP, I haven't seen the uh, market betting odds today. This is what people are actually laying money on. I told you the other day when I saw it, Christy Nome, the governor of South Carolina, was at about 18 percent. She was leading as far as a VP candidate. Now, we haven't heard as much about her, obviously. Tulsi Gabbard has had more of a national profile. Vivek was in the race. Uh, Tim Scott has a big profile. 
So uh, any of those are possible. Trump's a wild card. We won't know for months, I bet. But with Tulsi Gabbard, Republicans would say, I can't vote for that. She's a Bernie Sanders. In what universe? Come on. This is, this is the Nikki Haley approach to this. Look, it's got to be hard. DeSantis, Nikki Haley wanted to run for president for the last 20, 25 years. They finally have their shot. They're big names. They're in the prime of their shot to do this. And they're running against a force that is very hard to figure out, let alone beat. Trump, despite everything. So, you know, how do you go from there? All right, Stan Casaccio is with us here on uh, Talk Radio 1210. Hey, uh, Stan, good afternoon. Hey, Dom, how you doing? Uh, great conversation about Tulsi Gabbard. Uh, one of the keynotes that's real important is forget the party affiliation, but Tulsi is one of those very good common sense people that puts country before party affiliation. I really think that uh, she'd be a great, great potential candidate for that. But that's why the Republican convention is going to be really important. It's going to be all about the vice president, not so much about who's going to be the standard bearer. And that's the real important thing that I think people who are running for delegate have to focus on. And the less establishment Republicans you have as, as delegates, the better Pennsylvania will be in picking the person because the establishment has done nothing but continue to do the same thing year after year. We keep on losing, especially in Montgomery County and, and in Bucks County. Of course, you have the right for Bucks people there are really making a big difference there. But something's got to give. So I'm, I'm telling everybody, go out there, find the candidates that are not the establishment, and vote for them to be, to, uh, be the uh, convention delegates. And uh, I'm, I'm all for that. All right, Stan, thank you. Thanks for that tip. I know that Stan uh, wants to be one of those delegates, too, which is good. Uh, At the convention, yeah, there will be several things that come up. You're not going to take Tulsi Gabbard out by doing that. Not that I say. I still don't know that she's the number one at this point. I see a couple of odds aren't. I don't think they're up there yet because I'm still seeing a... Uh, Gnome as the favorite with Vivek as the second. Yes. Followed by Stefanik. Tulsi has plus 2,000 odds there for... uh, VP. I wouldn't put her at that, but I, I don't. I just don't sense. I think Trump is floating that. It's an interesting thing to float to put out there, Dan. In the end, uh, you know, he went with Mike Pence the last time. He's going to go with something that's a bit more direct to help him win. Although he doesn't think the VP helps at all. I differ with that. There have been several VPs that have helped to push the president over the line. Lyndon Johnson was one. Side note, I'm going through the presidential yeah. odds, for, you yeah. know, and there's a lot of them. There, there's a lot that I don't think you can bet on these. I don't know where you could. But uh, allegedly, Dwayne Johnson has a better odd to become president than Ron DeSantis at this point. Mm, I would still give it to DeSantis. Uh, DeSantis is close to George Clooney for the odds <laughs> to become president, believe it or not. Uh, Chelsea Clinton also nearby, as well as Mark Zuckerberg and Steve Bannon. Oh, my God. Yeah, so I guess they're uh, imagine pretty the low. Dom- uh, imagine the dominoes that would have to fall for Steve Bannon or Chelsea Clinton to be president. Better than DeSantis. Corey Booker, Dave Portnoy from uh, Barstool Sports oh. has better odds. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. Gavin Newsom, uh, hmm. Hillary Clinton, Adam Kinziger, and Nancy Pelosi. And finally, Dom, better odds than uh, Matt, uh, Matt DeSantis. We work with Matt DeSantis. Better odds than Ron DeSantis. Tom Brady to become president. Oh, there you go. All right. My God.
What a country, right? I I still think the Santas would jump back. I still watch Hillary. If there's any avenue to get in there, if Joe Biden drops, which he won't. Dr. Jill Biden, can you imagine Hillary? I can jump in. I can help the country out. Oh, Oprah Winfrey is also on there. Well, well that's always... lower than DeSantis. Yeah. Uh, uh, but the number three, who's behind Trump and Biden? Yes. Who do you think? Gavin Newsom, I would think. He's number four. Ah. Someone right. that you often say, Dom. On uh... President Michelle Obama. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But I, I'm starting to cool off on that. Uh, I saw a story yeah, today yeah. that Obama will call the tune and it will be Susan Rice. Susan Rice is not going to be president in America. Something is fundamental. I would have to consider moving. I don't. Oh, by the way, people are now saying they're going to move if Trump is elected president, not because they don't like the country. They're afraid that they're journalists, that Trump's going to put them in jail. So there you go. There's another whole quack of people moving because if Trump's president, they're going to go to jail. All right. Coming up. Scott Cronick, our entertainment guy, gives you something good, film, TV, and everything else that's out there. We'll take your calls, too, at 855-839-1210. Tom Giordano's show on uh, Friday. We carve out some time for our two entertainment guys. Neil Zorn, who's more on the TV side. Scott Cronick, who is uh, in AC, talking film, talking uh, TV, and the like. Let's bring in Scott Cronick. Scott, it's uh, been a little while. Welcome back. Hey, buddy. How you doing, man? Very, very good. Uh, so um, Oscars uh, down the road. We have some of those other award shows. And, yeah, I don't even know who watches them anymore, Scott. So um, <laughs> well, go ahead. I was going to say a lot. Apparently, I, I, I don't know if you noticed, all the award shows uh, ratings have been through the roof lately. I mean, not Super Bowl ratings, but right. like even the Grammys and stuff. Like they've been crazy, crazy, uh, crazy through the roof with ratings for some reason. Um. Better than before. You're right. Better than before, yeah. I think. But um, what do you have your eye on? What's hot that's out there? I saw the holdovers, and I think you were in the camp. Uh, Dan definitely is the one that pushed me toward it. I had to go to um, was only showing all the way over in Voorhees for me. It was a great film, and I know it's up for critical acclaim with the Oscars. Yeah, and I, I told you, I think that I think Paul Giamatti should win the Oscar for that. I, I think he's so good in that movie. Like, and it's just unbelievable. I mean, how good that movie is. And I've been trying to get my wife to watch, and I haven't been successful yet, just because we've been busy. But I know she's gonna love it. Uh, and I and I also and I told you, there's a local guy who's in that from here from Ake Harbor Township, Dominic Sessa, who played the student. He's fantastic, and uh, Divine Joy Randolph, who plays the mother of the uh, of the of, of her son who died in Vietnam, mm-hmm. who plays the captain. She's really. I mean, I think she should win too. So uh, you know, I don't think they're all going to win, but I think that I think maybe she'll walk away with the Oscar that night, and Paul Giamatti unfortunately won't. But uh, man, I'll tell you what, anybody should watch that movie. Well, the odds-on favorite is the actor in uh, Oppenheimer, but I agree with you. I like Paul Giamatti. I like the whole idea. Once you've found this idea of kids staying back at boarding schools, right there, you can't mess that up too much. That is fraught with a lot of good situations that any competent director can get into. I love that they made him have that lazy eye. Did you see they put like a contact lens in Paul Giamatti's eye, so he had this kind of weird lazy eye thing going on. And the fish, uh, the real... fish, the fish smell, the fish smell. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's yeah, really, really great. So anyway, I've been uh, you know trying to binge on on Oscar nominated flicks, and uh, one that I watched last night, uh, it, it just got released for everyone to. Um, 
uh, to watch on streaming, and it might be in some theaters near you, not down here. It's called The Zone of Interest. Uh, I don't know if you heard about this. And it was one of those movies, Don, that I never even heard of until mm-hmm. it got nominated uh, for an Oscar. Did you even, you know, it's one of those weird ones, you know? I have uh, not. And, no, I don't have any. Dan, do you know anything about A Zone no, of Interest? No, no. I first time hearing about it, Scott. So it's one of the 10 films nominated for Best Picture. It's not nominated for some weird move, weird category. It's one of the 10 Best Picture nominees. And uh, it is a very, very interesting film. Uh, um, it is a, basically about, uh, from the German perspective, set in World War II, about a guy who's a commandant uh, who has this beautiful home and this beautiful family, and it's situated right next to the um, uh the concentration camp that he runs, Auschwitz, the biggest, obviously, concentration camp in the in in, in the history, and he had and and it's told from this perspective of how like this guy ran and and uh, this, this thing had this beautiful home and a family that would go to school every morning, and he put a pool in his backyard, and how like he kind of was running this like as a business, and his house was next door to it, and just how cold and calculated and like a whole different perspective that you would take from a World War II drama, just about how they looked at it just like another job and how, like, the wives in the neighborhood kind of just looked the other way and pretended that it wasn't there and would do things like grow grow vines to hide Auschwitz behind it. And, uh, and then, like, you know, people, the officers would bring home you know, dresses from from the people that were being put in the ovens and and they would all divide up the dresses and they would make fun of each other about, hey, how can you believe that Sophie picked that dress? It doesn't even fit her. Like it was just a very interesting um, way to look at World War Two from a German perspective and how cold and calculated and how it was just like another day of work for them. And they raised their family and how they had to deal with transfers uh, in the military and how the wife didn't want to leave her home. I mean, just a very, very odd, um, but very um, uh, amazing movie, Dom. And I know it's, it sounds so strange, doesn't it? But it's just, it's just oh, really. Yeah. No, I, 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 I would see this. Dan, you had a quick uh, series question. Just what's your thoughts on Griselda if you checked it out? I know you're a fan of Narcos. Uh, have you seen Griselda? I saw the first couple episodes of Griselda, love Narcos. You know, this story was told in another uh, miniseries. I forget the name of it that I watched. It's much better done here uh, and in a shorter amount of episodes. So, so far, so good. And I think that um, uh, uh, the woman who we all know her from uh, Modern Family, what's her name, Dan? Sophia Vergara. Yeah, Sophia Vergara, yeah. gorgeous. They try to ugly her up here, and even as when they try to ugly her up, she's still gorgeous. Uh, <laughs> but, hey, listen, it's cocaine, woman power, dr- uh, uh, obviously drugs, violence. Uh, it is all narcos uh, that you would expect. I thought, I think so far what I've seen is really, really good. Where did we find you, Scott? I hope you find me on uh, uh, Tennessee Avenue Beer Hall. We'll be getting ready for the St. Patrick's Day Parade on March 9th. Come see me and go go look at all these Oscar-nominated movies. And make sure you go check out True Detective. All of the episodes are out and done for the season, and I really loved it this year. Thank you, Scott. Have a great weekend. Coming up, Congressman Brian Fitzpatrick, back from around the world. What does he report to us? That's next. Dom Giordano, weekdays noon till 3. From Talk Radio 1210, WPHD.